Hello and welcome to this Best of British bonus episode of The Travel Diaries, where a selection of my most memorable guests will transport you to some of their favourite places in the beautiful British Isles, all from the safety of your own home. From the Isles of Scilly to the island of Rum, Shropshire, Yorkshire, Kent, London and much more, here's a taster of some of the very best of what Britain has to offer. First up, we have global food icon Rick Stein and model and actress Poppy Delavine, who take us back to their first memories of travelling to Cornwall and the Isles of Scilly off the Cornish coast. When I was very little, um, my parents used to take me to the Scilly Isles quite often. So I've got really fond memories of the Scilly Isles and the first overseas trip I ever did, if you like. And the Scilly Isles are off the coast Just of Just off the coast of Cornwall, Cornwall yeah. Um, not um, easy to get to. Well, not easy. And in those days, there was no, there was a plane, because uh, I can remember the f- second trip going on the plane. But the first trip was on the the Salonian, which is the little boat that plies between Penzance and St Mary's in the Isles of Scilly. And because it, actually quite a lot of the way is fairly shallow, it's got a very very um, flat bottom. And I was appallingly seasick. I can remember, you probably can, anybody can, aged about six. And the thing that I remember most was, for some reason, I I looked into the engine room and there was this massive engine, smell of sort of diesel and smoke, and feeling terribly nauseous. Feel the nausea rising, as you even describe it. (laughs) And did you love the Silly Isles, though, once you made it there? Yes, I did. I mean, it's just a a magic part of of the the country, really. And um, I think anybody that that goes there feels the same way, because, you know, Cornwall's not part part of the UK, and and the Silly Isles is not part of Cornwall, really. So you're feeling really somewhere very different. And I think islands generally have that sort of effect Mm. on people so mm. I, I love it yeah I haven't been back there for a while but um, I'd love to go back. So you grew up in two of the most beautiful parts of England first the Cotswolds in Oxfordshire and then of course Cornwall. Yes. So for our international listeners who might not be familiar with Cornwall can you bring the English Riviera to life? <laughs> well I suppose it's the, the, the thing about Cornwall is it's on the peninsula jutting out into the Atlantic Ocean and Land's End of course, is at the end of it. So it's sort of three t- parts surrounded by w- water and therefore, and quite a narrow peninsula, therefore the, the sea and the seafaring and fishing have an immense uh, influence on it. Um, there's a sort of Celtic tradition in all those three parts of, of the UK and Ireland. And there's sort of slightly sort of mystical feel about it. I remember years ago going to a Druid ceremony um, in Liscard in Cornwall and thinking this is quite something. Everybody dressed up in pale blue, um, night looked like night dresses. There is a sort of not of this world of the UK quality about Cornwall and I think that's what really um, draws people there apart from the fact of the lovely beaches, fantastic fish, great produce. So it's it's a bit special in everybody's, in everybody's heart I think that knows mm. that. And it, it's a bit like going to France it's part of one's childhood that most of us went to holiday on holiday to Cornwall as indeed I did in the first place and of course now the gorgeous village of Padstow has been nicknamed Padstow uh, because of your restaurant empire there I remember making my own pilgrimage down there uh, with my mum as a teenager and trying your famous fish and chips and looking out at the harbour 
It's a really special place, isn't it? For people who want to go there and try some of your signature food, there's a kind of spectrum of different restaurants that they can go to, aren't there? Well, that's right. The, the reason for that is that from the early days, we just had, had the one restaurant, which was the seafood restaurant. But I felt that if we wanted to attract people to come to Pesto and stay, we would need to have different restaurants at different price ranges so I first we first opened this is my ex myself and my ex-wife Jill we first opened a bistro which was designed to be not seafood orientated more meat orientated although these days it's sort of almost (laughs) I don't know 70% seafood then we opened a cafe for the same reason that was sort of cheaper and more informal and finally not finally then we opened the fish and chip shop which was based on my travels in mainly in North Yorkshire because I find the fish and chips in North Yorkshire exceptional and in Scotland, on the east coast of Scotland as well. And, and finally, we've opened a little seafood bar, which is sort of actually my homage to similar places in France, just a place that sells mostly cold plateau de frida mer, little platters of prawns, cold lobsters, crab and mayonnaise that sort of thing so it's just a a culinary adventure basically when you go down there well that's right and also now uh, which is actually very rewarding for us all there's like two very famous chefs with restaurants in and around pesto first paul ainsworth number six and and second um nathan outlaw at port isaac so it's sort of like a bit of a gastronomic destination i think now Um, I think my earliest travel memory would have to be going to Cornwall. Um, you know, we started going to Cornwall when I was, God, probably five or six. I just remember, first of all, those never-ending car journeys that I used to just dread because someone would always be car sick, whether it was Cara, Chloe or I in the back. And <laughs> someone would be the fight of who got to sit next to the window so they could stick their head out of it. Literally. Did you have to sit in all three in a row yeah, as well, right? Yeah, like all three in, in a row. And whoever be stuck in the middle, because I'm middle child, it would always be me. Oh. But then I would literally be the one who was sick. So then I'd get the window. You know, it was one of those... Sorry to open my travel diaries talking about sick. That's really gross of me. <laughs> but it is one, one of those things that comes to mind. But Cornwall, yeah, it was... Um, we used to go with fa- family friends of ours. They rented a house right near the beach. That I think was, I think it was Damer Bay, but I might be wrong. But it was those kind of holidays where I think I had like my first 99 with a flake mm-hmm. and what that felt like. And like... Uh, bodyboarding, boogie boarding, you know, um, in freezing cold temperatures and like my parents forcing me to do it. And once I was in, I loved every minute of it. And, and do you remember it being sunny or do you remember it being I freezing and you were still I remember it ahead. being freezing, freezing cold, you know, like peeling off wetsuits and just endless sand in your hair and just never being able to get warm, you know, like numb fingers, numb toes and but always really loving that feeling. Um, it was always very adventurous and we'd be, you know, camping or like my dad. My dad used to go crazy and build these like dams because the beach that we used to stay on had sort of like pools of water everywhere. And I found a home video of us the other day and he's going, Poppy, watch out for my dam. And he's like, I'm literally six years old climbing over his precious dam, which you think would be for the children, but actually it was for the adults' it was for enjoyment, him. <laughs> for him. And he was so proud of the sand dam that he'd built. But yeah, so I feel like that was probably my 
first ever travel memory. And did you go back there regularly? I think we went back there probably till I was about 13. Oh, wow. So it's a really special place. Yeah, and when I was 13, it became, you know, something completely different because obviously um, we then discovered pubs and... And boys, lots of boys boys in Cornwall. And lots of boys. Lots of first kisses seem to happen in Cornwall, I feel. I think I definitely had a first kiss in Cornwall. I remember like my dad picking us up from the pub and I remember him like opening the car when we got back to the house and literally double the amount of children jumped out of the car that he thought had got into the car. And I (laughs) like definitely stuck a few boys in the boot and I remember him going, get back in the boot and I'm taking you back again. (laughs) You know, it was that kind of... But I think when I was six or seven, it was more about ice creams and hiding in sand dunes more than anything. Mm, Cornwall is probably my favourite holiday spot in the UK too. I particularly love St Ives, which is one of Cornwall's prettiest harbour towns and nearby Carbis Bay, where golden stretches of beach are lined with palm trees and bright purple and pink hydrangeas. It's hard to believe you're in England. And there are two incredible spots to eat that I'm sure many of you know, the Porthminster and Porthmeal Beach Cafes, which are a must if you're in the area. They serve fresh seafood al fresco overlooking the beach and the water. It's really a very special spot. So from the sometimes tropical beaches of Cornwall to the hills of Shropshire, next is editor-in-chief of Condé Nast Traveller magazine, Melinda Stevens. I went to um, the Long Mind in Shropshire recently. Uh Um, One of my best friends lives up there. And Shropshire itself is just stunning. You get out of that kind of the flat landscaping of the south and suddenly you're in these rolling hills. Uh, with villages that are kind of very, you know, far from each other. And it's just much more wild. Anyway, we went for a drive and we went for this high. It felt like we were going kind of higher and higher up into the clouds. And it was a beautiful, beautiful summer's day. And we started off on this walk wild. It's kind of heathery and moorlandy and muddy ponies And, you know, we were stopping and looking for birds nesting and stuff. And I'm a lazy, lazy person. (laughs) Um, But this walk was just, um, it just completely opened up my eyes to different parts of England. And I think that keeps happening to me. And the big sky of it was extraordinary. I felt like I was in a kind of snow globe of sky. And then we did this, lots and lots of children tumbling about and dogs. Um, It was quite like that children's story. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch, you know, swishy swashy. We were through the grass and through that and through the river. And then we meandered down the hill and ended up in a, a very sweet pub in Church Stretton and ate cheese and, cheese and onion crisps and salt and vinegar crisps and pints of cider. And it was dreamy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travelers just like I do? Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Mm, Shropshire is stunning if you've not been it borders with wales with snowdonia national park to the west so you know it's certainly remote and rural but with birmingham not that far to the east it's relatively easy to get to if you watch sex education on netflix a lot of it is filmed there and i'm sure you'll agree it doesn't half sell it as looking utterly beautiful i've heard the main house that features in it is now on airbnb too so i bet you that's booked up well in advance I think it could really be a hot staycation destination once travel restrictions are lifted, hopefully soon. So we keep travelling north now, all the way to the west coast of Scotland and the extraordinary islands it has to offer. Let's hear from legendary adventurer Sir Ranulph Fiennes about his all-time favourite destination. I think um, my all-time favourite destination was the island of Rum, R-H-U-M, off the northwest coast of um, Scotland, where in the sort of 1970-74 period when I got married to my late wife, we used to go on holidays up there because she, when we married, had been working for the Scottish National Trust, taking tourists up Leagach and Slioch and other Scottish mountains around there, so she knew it very well. And we used to go in a little rubber boat with a seagull outboard to the islands off the northwest coast, and it was just wonderful. What was it like? What does it look like there? Totally wild. Uh, you've got lots of wild animals, red deer herds and so on, even on the islands. Um, there was one place which was very interesting called the Corrie Vechen Whirlpool, where if you're there at the wrong time, it can be quite dangerous, and boats of locals taking their sheep from island to island have found their boat being sucked into the whirlpool at the worst period. Um, and have had to throw animals overboard to lighten their boat to get out of the... That's the story. Whether it's true or not, you'd have to ask someone up there. 
fascinating. Most travellers to this area of Scotland tend to stick to the island of Skye, but particularly in the summer, that can get very crowded. Rum might be harder to get to, but by the sounds of it, it's well worth the effort. Now, from an island to the city, we head to London to hear about Dynamo, the magician's favourite haunts in the big smoke. My favourite hotel in London, it's it's more of a boutique type place. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think it's it's really cool. I've I've only been there a few times, but um, but it's like pretty awesome. I've done a, I've done a few shows there, a few parties there, performed at a few parties. It's a chill and firehouse. Oh yeah, like it's such a cool place because you feel like cool you go, you don't feel like you're going to a hotel. You feel like you're in someone else's living room and just like yeah. you know, it's just a really comfortable atmosphere. But then I have places in London that I love to go to, which are the complete opposite end of the spectrum. But they're just places that ever since I've come to London, they're places that remind me of good times. But there's a place which it's it's such a greasy spoon on Wardour Street called Barbunos. Mm-hmm. Which always just been Bruno's to me, but it's now been rebranded as Barbuno's. Yeah. And it's been there for as long as I can remember. Um since I, ever since I've come to London, talking twenty years ago. Right. It's the one if I want good food in London, like good home food, like that's the place I go. It's it's in like an Italian it's Italian uh family owned restaurant. It's still the staff there are still the same guys that worked there when they used to come twenty years ago that's and they so don't cool, seem yeah. to have aged at all. <laughs> like for me, it looks like the sort of place where, you know, the Italian mafia back in the day must have had secret meetings. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, you're surrounded by tiles, you know, it's not, it's like, literally, when I say it's not fancy, it is not fancy in the slightest. But it's authentic. But it's so authentic, yeah. yeah. And, and all the, you know, it's all, all the people who work there are family with each other, you know, like, it's it's a family-owned business in the best sense of the word. Mm. And you don't kind of come across that so much anymore. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's really nice to have that. Some great recommendations there. I would add Kettner's Townhouse as my home from home in London and Blanchette in Soho as a restaurant to try if you're in the area. We've had a fair few London recommendations over the last couple of seasons. Poppy Delavine mentioned the Wolseley and the Delaunay as some of her top spots to eat out and designer and blogger Lucy Williams lifted the lid on her hidden gems in West London. Check out her episode to hear more on those. On that note, we now turn to Britain's hidden gems. First, we go to Dynamo's hometown, Bradford, which Peter Grunert, the editor of Lonely Planet magazine, picked as his hidden gem. And after that, we'll hear from Michelin star chef and TV presenter Tom Kerridge, who will make us all want to go to the North Kent coast. My wife comes from Bradford in West Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. I feel Bradford gets either overlooked or a bad press. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, I'm talking about having lived in India and traveled a lot in India. Some of the best South Asian cuisine I've eaten has been in Bradford. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, as a Southerner, I've finally come around to admitting that fish and chips are better in the north of England. And I'll put that down to controversial. (laughs) I'll put that down to the beef dripping um, that it's fried in. Um, And for me, also, um, just some of the architecture in Bradford, even though some of it's not very well looked after, some of the... Victorian industrial architecture. I just find it so magnificent. And uh, what my favorite place just on the edge of Bradford is called Saltair. So there was a a Victorian gentleman called Titus Salt who built arguably the most magnificent uh, industrial building to come out of the Industrial Revolution, which is Salt's Mill. Uh And the village he built around it with good sanitation and education. It's very progressive. It's called Saltair. 
and David Hockney, who's of local origin, became involved in the restoration of this mill, and a lot of his artworks are shown inside. Um, And now it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's been recognized by UNESCO. But like I say, I feel like a lot of us who aren't from West Yorkshire don't know about it. It's a lovely village as well. There's lovely cafes, vintage shops, um, design shops. Um, It's a place I, I hugely enjoy visiting. I'm going to stick with um, the UK and I'm going to go for the North Kent coast. Oh, great. Uh, and I, and I, I absolutely love it. I love Whitstable. I love Sea Salter. I love the view from the beach. It's a pebble beach and you look out and, there, and there's amazing wind turbines and there's um, fantastic old forts from the wall that you can see. I, I like it. It's a, it's, a, it's a great view and also great big ocean going liners that go across the back or, you know, the, the, or that have um, the big tankers. But there's something quite industrial about it, but also it's a seaside resort. And the Whitstable, again, it's a foodie area. The North Kent coast is foodie. Canterbury is fantastic. You know, there's the Good Shed there, which is a brilliant kind of um, a a produce-led shed next to the old disused railway line where but there's lo- there's different producers and supplies in there and a little restaurant in there and it's great place you've got the Fordwich arms which is just one of mission star you've got um the compasses in in crundale which isn't too far as well which is a beautiful rural pub which is absolutely brilliant and then you've also got of course the sportsman in sea salter which is you know arguably britain's best loved and most amazing pub that's right on the coast it uses food from around the area that uses you know uh, salt marsh lamb that's beautiful that uses sea herbs and vegetables from the shoreline makes their own butter makes their own seaweed butter cooks beautiful fit like it's very very simple but it's amazing so the north kent coast for me is somewhere really special really chilled you haven't got to get on a plane you haven't got to get any any of the stresses of traveling you could just get get to the North Kent coast, enjoy it in the sunshine. But also, there's something there's something really magical about British seaside towns in the winter, yeah, and yeah. I love them. I absolutely in the love winter. Them. In the winter, yeah. yeah, in the when it's raining and and and, and it's snowing, or it is you know, and you go for a really blustery walk on the beach with the dogs, and then you find somewhere and have a hot chocolate, mm-hmm. and just you know, just those sorts of things. You blow the cobwebs away, and you totally, really do. Yeah. I, I I love English seaside towns in the winter time. Now, I have to admit that has really opened up my mind to both areas. Bradford and Saltaire are now added to the end of a peak district trip I've been planning for years now. And it's less than an hour by train to the North Kent coast from London. So an easy long weekend with some great restaurant recommendations in there. From restaurants to hotels. And if you're looking for a British expert, the founder of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, James Lorne, is surely right up there. Here are some of the best that he's uncovered over the years. We jumped in this old knackered car I had to go around the UK and we saw literally, I think, about 150 hotels. And I think that probably we started in London, so I think Blake's would be my first one that I would say, which uh, designed by Anushka Hempel. It's just like the sort of the Grand Dharma boutique hotels and it's just sort of smacks of mischief and fun and sort of discretion and sexiness and all the things you want from a sort of city hotel when you're a, uh, a couple and I love that every room was very different, uh, but not themed in an aff way, but just in a kind of uh, sort of fanciful way, in a really exciting way. 
and uh, the, 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 the restaurant and the uh, attention to detail and the service and the way they look after you there was just truly extraordinary. So I think Blake's, and it's where, you know, Jerry Hall and Mick Jagger used to hang out back in the sort of 70s. And uh, I love that it stood the test of time and still is in our collection today. So I think, yeah, I think that Blake's would be my first one. And was that the first hotel that you thought was a dead cert for the guy? Yes, I think so. Uh, uh, from London. And then we literally got in the car and went down to the West Coast and started finding places like the Trezanton uh, or things like the witchery up in Edinburgh stuck in my mind. This amazing place at the foot of Edinburgh Castle or the Drunken Duck Inn was another one in the Lake District. Uh, so we just found all these wonderful hidden gems around the place. Uh, some we work with today, some sadly don't exist anymore. But it was it was a really exciting collection that we built not on how many stars or diamonds or you know how many plates they had on their wall or awards they'd won. It was about the experience, and it could be a wonderful little pub in the middle of nowhere, or it could be Le Manoir or Cat Saison. It could be something. Uh, you know, it was all about trying to find a collection of properties that a couple would want sometimes because they wanted a relaxing weekend away, uh, but it's still got to be a great guest house or B&B. But sometimes it was, you know, uh, an anniversary and you wanted to go to Blake's Hotel in London and Mm -hmm. really push the boat out. So we were the first people to start to pull together an interesting collection of properties. um, Across a variety of price points. Exactly, yeah. I think Limewood is a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. I love the spa. Uh, I love that... Uh, so Limewood uh, is in the New Forest? Down in the New Forest, yeah. yeah. And Robin Hudson is one of the best hoteliers, also the creator of the Pig Hotels, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And it's just a place that's special, and it's a real treat every time I go there. And I love uh, Angela Hartley in the kitchen. And uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely one of my all-time favourites, that's for sure. What's the surroundings like there? So it's, I mean, the New Forest is stunning. Uh, I've always enjoyed the New Forest. I like also going there because it's, it is a different landscape to, you know, going further down to the West Country and stuff. I love all the woods there and walking through the woods and you can do foraging trips with them and that kind of thing. And the beaches are a bit more wild down there. And yeah, it's it's just, and it's so close to London. You can be there in an hour and a half again. You're not spending all your time in the car to get there. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's a place where I know as soon as I arrive, I'm de-stressed and ready to unwind and relax yeah 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 so I think I think that would be the one I would if I could just sort of uh, speed dial a booking now and go and have a couple of nights off that's where I'd go some excellent recommendations there if you're a hotel lover James's episode was full of brilliant suggestions now to finish we come full circle We're back to the southwest of England. I'll leave you with travel writer Sophie Roberts and her hidden gem in North Devon. My hidden gem may be obvious to some of your listeners, but I discovered it about six weeks ago. Six weeks? Yeah. This is a very recent gem. (laughs) Yeah, and it's really small and it's really close to where I live because I live in the countryside in Dorset in the west of England. And it was on the north coast in Devon. And it's a place called Yotown. Yotown is amazing. Uh, it's like a, I think I did three days, four nights. And it's a, it's a place to recalibrate. You walk and walk and walk and walk and walk on the north Devon coast paths. You The yoga, uh, really, really good vegan food. Uh, it was totally, deeply 
correcting for me having been quite exhausted um, at the end of a book project. So is it a village? No, it's a little retreat centre. I t- think they take about oh, 12 people, 12 people what, a week. And so it's in this restorative wild place that obviously sounds like it resembles to, to somewhat yeah, of a degree modest. your childhood. It's quite modest, it's quite humble. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a cottage with a sauna and the rooms are nice and a hot tub. And I mean, it's, it's just really, it really works if you're really burnt out. Yeah. And you're not a, you know, I don't spend my life in gyms. I don't have time to do, you know, I don't, I can barely get to a hairdresser. So um, to be able to have four days to myself in a place that really made me feel well, then Yotown is my hidden gem. Well, there we go. The best of the British Isles and so many that I'm adding to my future travel hit list. Over the last few weeks, I've been particularly concerned about the impact of the coronavirus on tourism and hospitality and how far reaching the ripple effect of that is. So if you're UK based, I hope this gives you some inspiration for a future staycation. And if you're in one of the other 160 countries tuning in each week, we hope you come to visit us when you can. All the destinations mentioned are included in this episode show notes. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll be back soon, I hope, with season three. So whose travel diaries would you like to hear? Please get in touch. I'd love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. And don't forget to subscribe so you know when the new season begins. Take care, everyone. I'll speak to you soon. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.